Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Why, hello everybody, it's uh, Wes, Hank, and Andy, and we are back. It's our latest, I, I guess I should say, I was going to say new, so technically it's new to us. It's still relatively new, but it's it's our take on the uh, recently released Tales of the Jedi. These are the, uh, the anthology series uh, from Lucasfilm Animation, the six episode uh, shorts. It's uh, our version. It's Fandom of the Jedi, because once again, these titles just write themselves. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to do this when we were covering Andor, but Andor was such a deep, uh, much more expansive show than I think any of us ever thought it was going to be, that it kept our heads down and we were quite busy with that. But yeah, we are we more than we happy. Were, we thought at points that uh, like before it started, we were like, sure, we'll be able to slip that in. Yeah, we can do two things at once. But holy immersive. <laughs> wow, admin. And to be honest, I'm glad that we didn't because uh, revisiting Tales a couple weeks later, now that it's been out for a little while, and watching the episodes again, I'm glad that we chose to wait. Because I think this way, we're actually giving it the attention that it deserves. And it does. It deserves the full fandom treatment. Oh, man. So if you are if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. Thank you for choosing us as your uh, entertainment for uh, the time that you're with us. If you are one of our longtime viewers, thank you for coming back and thank you for staying with us. You know what you're in for because we are going to dive deep on all of the plot points all of the uh, Easter eggs and all of the greater lore connections that uh, we discovered throughout the course of the show. Now, if you were, uh, I guess it doesn't really matter. We're, we're breaking this down into, into two arcs. We're not actually recording this in the release order. Like in the movies, we're not recording it in order. <laughs> That's mm. right. I do have we, to change my shirt after the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'll turn my hat, uh, you know, to the left or the right or something. Um, right. We are going to cover all of the uh, Dooku episodes uh, first, and then we're going to cover all of the Ahsoka episodes. So if you haven't watched the series yet, put us on pause, go watch the series, then uh, come back and join us as we uh, dive deep on uh, Tales of the Jedi. Now, Something we started back on Andor, and we're just going to keep that train rolling. It's that time once again, everybody, for Bad Star Wars Jokes. 
today's bad star wars joke or this episode's bad star wars joke comes from me and uh, <laughs> i i kind of chuckled at this one uh i read it several times i kind of modified it because i think it actually has a little more punch this way but hey why is darth vader not recommended for children under three uh can't be the younglings layer it's <laughs> <laughs> good good answer no darth vader is not recommended for children under three because he poses a choking hazard <laughs> nice <laughs> very well played well played uh, <clears throat> thank you for that this has been another installment of bad star wars jokes all right like i said we are starting with the uh the three episode arc that is devo uh, devoted to uh, count dooku the first episode of which is uh, entitled Justice. So before we get into the slideshow, uh, what did you guys think of Justice? I liked it. The whole thing overall, I really enjoyed it. But yeah, it, it's weird to see these points kind of filled in where we were just basically guessing before. <coughs> yeah, yeah. And now it's like a definitive, here you go. If you didn't read a bunch of books or a bunch of comic books <laughs> and you just were a fan of the films, you know, this is like exceptionally new, uh, new territory. However, if you're watching this, you were probably fans of the Clone Wars. So it's going to make a whole lot more sense to you uh, from that perspective. I mean, the, the, the whole thing as a whole, not just not just this episode, but the, the, the whole idea felt like uh, outtakes from Clone Wars. Yeah, it really did. And really, really like, did. Or, or you know, um, I don't know, uh, alternate takes or, 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 you know, special edition version of that that thing. So, oh, uh, sure. I love the idea that there were pieces of those stories that were not told, uh, that we do that we weren't privy to. We, I mean, we connect the dots, but to see it laid out is is very very cool. I liked it as well. I thought there were some minor contrivances, but nothing to really make me go okay that's just ridiculous like nothing took me out of it i was i was pretty invested throughout um specifically where this episode is concerned i was quite surprised to see that that uh how easily provoked he was that apparently that's been something that's been with him for longer than we thought mm -hmm. ready to take matters into his own hands <clears throat> well it is it, it, you um it really illustrates, I guess, the idea that um, Qui Gon was a rebel, and 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 where did he get it? You know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of neat. All right, are you guys ready to get into the breakdown? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, this episode, like I said, it is called Justice. It is the second episode of Tales of the Jedi. This one is uh, written by. Uh, the new master, uh, Dave Filoni, directed by our good old friend Saul Ruiz. Has an advertised runtime of 16 minutes or an actual runtime of uh, 12 minutes and 37 seconds without titles or end credits. Something I, uh, we actually got away from doing this, um, and I didn't even realize that we had done it until I went, hey, we stopped doing that, is uh, our episode synopsis, which reads, two Jedi are dispatched to resolve a hostage situation on a distant planet. Um, and interestingly enough, the episode opens somewhere over uh, uh, somewhere in space where a Jedi shuttle drops out of hyperspace and descends toward an Earth-like planet. On board the ship, 
A young Jedi Padawan Qui-Gon Jinn sits at the controls. Well, then the cockpit door slides open and Jedi Master Dooku enters. Taking a seat next to his apprentice, Qui-Gon tells his master they'll be arriving shortly and Dooku tells him to set down well outside the village. Set us down well clear of the village. His tensions are high enough and he doesn't want their arrival to make matters worse. Now, this is the uh, T-6 Jedi shuttle. We've seen this before. We saw it uh, many times throughout the course of uh, the Clone Wars. And then again, we saw it uh, at the end of Star Wars Rebels when uh, Sabina and Ahsoka took off, presumably in, in search of uh, Ezra. Our planet is an unnamed planet. Nowhere in the episode, nowhere in the descriptive audio, nowhere in the subtitles is this <clears throat> planet identified. Hmm. It's just unnamed planet in unnamed region of space, but in the, but in the Republic. Fair enough. All right. Um, Count Dooku, that's Corey Burton making his grand return as uh, Count Dooku. Now, uh, Corey has like well over 400 acting credits, um, having voiced fan favorite characters like Dale Chipmunk. That's probably his longest running role, to be honest, um, as well as Ludwig von Drake. And he is also the voice of our beloved Cad Bane, both uh, animated and live action. Nice. Now, Qui-Gon Jinn in this case, this is young Qui-Gon Jinn. This is Padawan learner Qui-Gon Jinn. Now, this is uh, Michael Richardson. This is the real-life son of Liam Neeson. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, and Michael, that. yeah, Michael has collaborated with his father on more than one occasion. You may have seen him uh, in the films Made in Italy, where he plays Jack. Um, and then, uh, I think this is a Netflix film, Cold Pursuit, where he plays Kyle Akauman. He also appeared in uh, eight episodes of the uh, series Big Dogs, where he plays Rennie. So, yeah, uh, Michael Richardson, um, he was actually uh, born Michael uh, Neeson, but uh, took his mother's name to honor her after her passing um, with his father's blessing. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, very cool connection. Quite like that. All right, so the Jedi shuttle comes in under a heavy cloud cover, and it sets down in a barren forest just outside of a small village. Now, the clearing looks as though it may have been part of the forest at one time, but what isn't already dead has been, uh, it looks like it's been clear cut. Now, there is so much fog and or smog here, it's difficult to tell if it's day or night, but I kind of got the vibe. Remember when we went to Corvus in the Mandalorian? Yeah, and it was all like industrial smoke. Yeah, I got a very similar feeling uh, uh, with this one. Well, the village itself looks reminiscent of any number of uh, medieval European towns with uh, simple timber frame buildings, none of which are over uh, two stories tall. And as master and apprentice uh, debark from the shuttle, the remains of a broken and discarded load lifter droid lays face down in the mud, while off in the distance we see a second load lifter struggling to place a bale of some kind of material onto a, a repulsor sled. Now, I mean, I could not put this together without taking a look at a relatively uh, a relative comparison study of these two central characters of the episode. Mm. Um, we're presently looking at uh, images of the characters of Qui-Gon Jinn as he appears uh, in this episode as young Qui-Gon Jinn. And then, of course, 
Now that's a, there's a shot of Liam Neeson. I tried to get one that I thought was uh, close enough in age to his character as we see him now. Then again, we get him uh, again in a flashback sequence uh, in Rebels. And then of course his uh, actual appearance in The Phantom Menace. Dooku, man, looking super young. Like mm -hmm. I, I pulled up a shot. You know that uh, Christopher Lee played uh, Scaramanga uh, in The Man with the Golden Gun? That was the Bond yeah. villain? Yeah, so... Yeah. That's him as Scaramanga. It was the closest thing I could find to how I thought he looked in the episode, uh, in this particular episode. But I would say that he's probably younger than that. Mm -hmm. um, and then looking at his animation model from the Clone Wars, which I got to be honest with you, has not aged very well at all. Um, I still love the character, but man, the animation model for him. Stylized. Awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, uh, Christopher Lee as he appeared in uh, Revenge of the Sith. As the two Jedi enter the village, a dog rushes out and barks at them, um, but is quickly called back by a woman standing in an open doorway. Now, Qui-Gon tries to make pleasantries with the woman, but she slams the door shut, ignoring him. Looking around the village, the Jedi see several silhouettes quickly withdraw from the windows, some of them turning off their lights. And uh, outside a large, well-lit building, a malfunctioning R5 astromech droid covered in grunge twitches, unable to move. Qui-Gon exchanges glances with Master Dooku, and they continue walking down the street while the woman with the dog opens her door just enough um, to, to peer out and watch them go. All right, everybody, for all of you people who are so upset about real-world uh, things showing up in star wars and that has been the subject of a lot of fan discourse over the course of uh, Andor. yes in fact <clears throat> dogs are canonically a part of star wars and they've been there since the beginning um officially in the canon uh, do uh dogs have been around since the 2015 mobile game star wars uprising but they were mentioned in the novelization of Star Wars back in 1976 before the movie ever came out. So, yeah, dogs, they're a thing. <laughs> While entering the large building, we see that it's a dank and dingy bar. There's an 8D smelter droid serving drinks, and uh, the mixed crowd of humans and alien uh, aliens pay little to no attention as the Jedi enter the room. Now, the 8D smelter droid, that's the same uh, model droid as the torture droid from uh, Jabba's Palace. The same droid that would go on to become a fan favorite character as uh, Boba Fett's interpreter. While stepping uh, forward, Master Dooku asks the room, where is the child? And when no one answers him, he asks again, where are they holding the child? Then, a long gray-haired woman sitting at a table in the corner speaks up and asks, why should we tell you? As Master Dooku and Qui-Gon approach the table, uh, two men sitting with the woman suddenly stand up and flank her while they brandish what appear to be like hooked logging tools, like axes and stuff. That would make sense for all the uh, logging activity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, calmly, Master Dooku sits down across from the woman and he says, let me make my intentions clear. And he removes his lightsaber from his belt and he places it on the table in front of himself. Just like a Western, man. When I saw that, I was like, What's wow. a blaster he's... on that. <laughs> yeah. He's... And, he, you know, that, that we've never seen a Jedi do that. That's like a, you know what I mean? That's it, a, It's a that's very a, overt. That's like uh, a, 
Han Solo thing to do. That's it a very, totally you know, like a Boba Fett a, thing to do. It sends a very a, a distinct message. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. What I can Let do. me make my intentions clear. K-klunk. This is what I can do to you. Oh, okay. So fear and intimidation has been a thing right from the beginning. At least for him. Well, that's kind of what it, it points towards anyway. Yeah. The woman eyes the weapon as she remarks, Jedi. Then Master Dooku tells her that he and his apprentice are here to help resolve the situation. Well, the woman says, for the senator, and it's not a question. It's very much a statement. Qui-Gon tries to reassure her, saying, it's for everyone. But then the woman asks the Jedi what they know about Senator Dagonet. Qui-Gon tells her that uh, he is one of the longest-serving members of the Senate. Now, Senator Dagonet, uh, who we're going to get introduced to later, that's another new one. So not only is our planet unnamed, our senator is appearing here for the first time uh, in Star Wars. Senator Dagonet. Well, with that understanding between them, the woman goes on to tell the Jedi that uh, when they arrived, they saw the effects of the senator's policies firsthand. Presumably the uh, the the resources and the uh, the deforestation of the the uh, industrialization. Yeah. And uh, all the byproduct that comes with it. Yeah. So again, it, are we saying that it's smog and uh, it could very well be. Yeah, maybe. Because they don't exactly look like they've been breathing good oxygen. Well, no. I mean, everybody looks kind of sickly. Yeah. Yeah. Qui-Gon asks the woman why they haven't elected a new senator. And uh, with a grim look, uh, she remarks, I wish it were that simple. And uh, getting up from the table, she tells the Jedi that in the beginning, the senator seemed like a good person. And uh, he may have had the interests of the people in mind. But then she pauses before gesturing to the Jedi and saying, come, I will show you where the senator's son is. Confused, Qui-Gon asks, you're one of the kidnappers? And then everyone else in the room stands up facing the woman, and Count Dooku remarks, they all are. And uh, from there, we actually cut to uh, our title card. Um, That's like a four and a half minute long prologue. Yeah. (laughs) That's a long prologue. That's a cold open. For for an episode that's only advertised as being 16 minutes, we just used like a quarter of it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, um, what do we got here next? Oh, yeah. I wanted to do so. Fans of Tales of the Jedi will will know that uh, Tales of the Jedi, this is not a new name. This is a, a recycled name. Uh, we first saw Tales of the Jedi used uh, by Dark Horse Comics back in uh, 1993. Of course, that Tales of the Jedi, uh, which was basically set thousands of years before the events of the prequel trilogy, uh, in the period now commonly referred to as the Old Republic era or the Sith era. Uh, I just thought it was cool that we take a look at both uh, um, mm-hmm. titles and just sort of see how they compare and uh, how they differ. Um, but yeah, if you didn't know that, Tales of the Jedi, not a new name. Go back to the bar room for a minute here. Our village elder, the the old lady, that's uh, Vanessa Marshall, our beloved Harrison Dula. Nice. The same voice actor, yeah. May I introduce Hera Sindula? Well, the camera fades in, and the woman from the bar with the two men lead Jedi Master Dooku and his Padawan learner Qui-Gon Jinn to a large barn. Several birds that look similar in appearance to steel peckers sit uh, perched on the roof. Of course, uh, steel peckers were the birds first introduced to us back in Star Wars The Force Awakens, 
they are native to Jakku, but we have seen variations of them on uh, Ferrix in Andor. Mm-hmm. So I thought these ones looked similar, but different, but not so different that they might be some kind of subspecies. Maybe, maybe they're just migrating on ships. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, the woman raps on the door, and when it opens, the group is met by what appears to be a lumbering, heavy load lifter droid. Now, this one is much, much larger than the previous ones that we saw, and it steps back into the barn um, as the group enters, and they can see a few villagers armed with rifles keeping watch over a young human male restrained in binders. Well, the man is well-dressed, and besides some dirt on his face and clothes, appears to be in pretty good health. Master Dooku asks the man if he's been treated well. Well, just like the planet we're on, this is uh, Senator Dagonet's son, who is also never named in the episode. <laughs> Has no name. It's just Senator's. Senator's son. Yeah. Well, the load lifter steps in behind the young man as he says, for a prisoner, yes. With the droid standing over him protectively, he adds that uh, he has two ton to keep him company. So the droid's name is uh, Tuton. Droid gets the a droid name. gets a name. Yeah. Give <laughs> <laughs> me a beer, Andy. <laughs> Qui-Gon reassures the senator's son that uh, his, his ordeal will be over soon. But what the senator's son says next is anything but expected. He says it's not much of an ordeal compared to how the villagers have been living. Master Dooku asks if he was aware of the conditions faced by the villagers. And the man says that he rarely leaves the capital, save for trips to Coruscant. Ashamed, the man stares at the floor for a moment before blurting out, how could my father let this happen to his people? When Qui-Gon questions him, you don't blame the villagers for abducting you? He answers, what choice did they have? Just then, another villager with a rifle rushes into the barn and warns the others that Senator Dagonet has arrived and he has soldiers with him. Well, the woman takes a rifle from an Arcona guard and uh, and accuses the Jedi of deceiving them. But Dooku tells her that the senator was unaware of their coming to the planet in the first place. Now, Arcona, uh, Arcona first appeared back uh, as one of the aliens in the cantina when they were just looking to fill the room with his yeah. much weird stuff as they could. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, the Arcona bounty hunter, L. Less, uh, you may remember, was hired as a drill instructor to train a batch, a new batch of clones on Camino for a time. So perhaps the most famous Arcona in Star Wars. All right. Our senator's son, our unnamed son, is actually uh, actor Josh Keaton. Now, you may recognize him if you're a fan of uh, animation as Shiro from the Netflix Voltron Legendary Defender, which fantastic show. show and fantastic a great show. character so if you have not seen that um when you've got some time go over to netflix and do watch voltron a legendary defender super good as the jedi and the villagers exit the barn to face the senator and his accompanying soldiers we see that they've been led to the barn by the woman with the dog she looks miserable as she points at the village elder The senator wears a white military uniform, complete with a tall helmet, and he's flanked by an RA-7 protocol droid, and his soldiers are clad in blue uniforms that look very similar to the ones worn by the honor guard on Raxus Secundus. Mm -hmm. 
The RA-7 protocol droid, also known as the Death Star droid, made its first appearance back in uh, 1977 in A New Hope. Um, it also appeared in that film. Actually, before we saw it on the Death Star, it was the other protocol droid in the Jawa Sandcrawler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm really taken back here by the, the the color palette here. There's a striking similarity here to uh, a, a lot of the stuff we saw in the Clone Wars and then later on in the Bad Batch around the world Raxus Secundus. Yeah. The, the soldiers' uh, uniforms, the senator himself with a white military-style uniform, very he similar. Looks, he's dressed almost except for the helmet, which is yeah. in Avi Singh's case, red. He's yeah, dressed exactly. identically to Avi Singh. Almost. And I, very I, close. I, I'm going to talk about it, but I guarantee that those are Raxus guards. The uniform is so close. That's where I was like, I'm like, they, they don't name this planet, but it's like at this time, Raxus would have been a Republic world. But we are going to go to Raxus like definitively later on in, not in this episode, but as you say, Hank, in your episode, we're going there. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Anyway, with the kidnapper identified, the protocol droid steps forward and presents the woman with a bag of credits. Dooku scrutinizes the informant, uh, but the village elder tells him she's hungry, adding that many would have done the same. The senator then orders Master Dooku to arrest the villagers and have his son released. But the Jedi Master declines, telling the senator that their investigation hasn't finished yet. The senator, who's now quite taken back uh, at the notion, to him, it's a clear case of a kidnapping, and he again orders the release of his son. Well, Master Dooku assures Senator Dagonet that his son isn't in any danger, but the senator rebukes him, saying, I'll be the judge of that, and he orders his soldiers forward. Senator Dagonet, that's actor Mark Ralston. I was completely floored when I found this out. That's <laughs> Private Drake from Aliens. Drake nice. who went out in a in a ball of flames with uh, with Vasquez. Mm-hmm. With Vasquez, yeah. Well, uh, there's a he has a like he's got a ton of acting credits, but there's like a shift uh, somewhere in his career there where he kind of gets away from face work and then flips kind of into voice work. Mm-hmm. So he's got a ton of acting credits. You can go and check that out. But yeah, uh, Drake. <laughs> With the soldiers now at the low ready, the villagers raise their own weapons. Qui-Gon looks around at them and the camera passes over several uh, faces of the villagers. All of them are visibly nervous. One of them, a boy younger than the Jedi Padawan, is visibly scared while another man's hands visibly shake as he aims his rifle. Senator Dagonet orders the Jedi to step aside, Jedi. But Master Dooku tells him they cannot. Dagonet digs in and he asserts, you serve the Senate. But Dooku corrects him, no, we serve the people of this Republic. The senator, not fazed by the Jedi's remark, offers a contemptuous, so be it, and he orders his men to take aim. Both Jedi ignite their lightsabers in an equal showing of force. In a last-ditch effort, Master Dooku raises his blade on guard, and he orders the senator and his men to stand down. The senator just levels his pistol at him and says, I will not, and he gives the command to open fire. 
With the opening shots fired by the Senator and his soldiers, the Jedi do their best to deflect the incoming fire. One of the villagers is hit. Still, the villagers do their best to return fire with uh, from what limited cover they can find outside the barn, but they all miss wildly. Now, I went back and I watched that a couple of times, and I'm like, not a single shot hit anything. No. We, we make jokes about stormtroopers not being able to shoot, but the reality is we're talking about, like, farmers and mm-hmm. loggers who have picked up rifles probably for the first time in their life. Yeah. And are now having to do this. No wonder they couldn't hit anything. Give them an axe. They'd do better. It's dramatically, it's dramatically appropriate that they don't hit anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. We're uh, here. One of the soldiers uh, takes out a Rodian sniper that was uh, perched in the loft of the barn and he falls backward onto the barn floor. The uh, Senator's son cries out, no, and looks away as the camera draws in on his face. We can see the grief. Uh, the grief on his face while outside the battle rages on and the two Jedi slowly retreat towards the barn. The soldiers have the villagers pinned down. So master Dooku force pushes one of them off his feet. Then a blaster bolt erupts into the wooden barrier, protecting the village elder. And she takes a hit and falls back. But Qui-Gon is there to defend her and he blocks a follow-up burst with his lightsaber. Now, with most of the villagers either dead or wounded, the senator calls the halt and the soldiers stop shooting. Uh, They do keep their weapons trained, however, and uh, Senator Dagonet, now proud of himself, flashes a grin while Qui-Gon checks on the village elder. Master Dooku pauses to look around, seeing many wounded villagers cowering under the flimsy wooden barriers. He furrows his brow and turns his attention back to Senator Dagonet. Meeting the Master Jedi's gaze, the Senator announces, I will destroy this town and make an example of it and many others. Dooku's eyes narrow as the Senator continues. None shall defy me, not even you, Master Jedi. The words are cut off as Senator Dagonet grasps at his throat, unable to breathe. Jedi Master Dooku raises his hand and squeezes as if he's choking the senator, and Dagonet falls to his hands and knees, his helmet tumbling off his head. Seeing Dooku force choking the senator, Qui-Gon calls out to his master, but Dooku force pushes him several meters back into the barn door and begins advancing on the senator, not relenting his grip in the slightest. Shocked at the turn of events, Qui-Gon rushes to open the barn door, while Dooku, blinded by the dark side, advances. The soldiers begin firing again, but the Jedi Master is unstoppable as he force pushes them away as easily as he did his own apprentice. Inside the barn, Qui-Gon runs to the Senator's son and cuts off his binders. Helping him to his feet, he urges the young man to go. Go and save your father! The young man is confused, but Qui-Gon shoves him forward as he shouts, Go now! And the two men rush out of the barn. Meanwhile, Dooku, now seething as he towers over top of the senator, uh, tells the helpless man, Corruption like yours must be eradicated. His voice is steady, and his words carry a dangerous conviction. Dooku raises his lightsaber over his head, ready to take the man's life in one fell stroke. But suddenly, the man's son is there between them, shouting no as he drops to his knees. Turning to face the raging Jedi Master, Dagonet's son shouts at Dooku, Stop! Stop! Then, Qui-Gon is there. 
with a hand on his master's shoulder. He calmly tells him, it's over. Then the Jedi Master regains his self-control and the rage subsides. Lowering his lightsaber, he releases his grip on the senator and he looks sheepish as the senator coughs and sputters to catch his breath. With father and son reunited, the younger Dagonet asks, Father, how could you do this? Shamefully, the senator looks at the wounded as his son continues. These are your people, our people. Then Master Dooku turns and heads toward the barn. Qui-Gon pauses for a moment before following him. As the Jedi walk away, both sides collect their wounded. Later, as the sun breaks through the cloud cover, the senator sits alone in the back seat of a speeder. Flanked by the two Jedi, his son emphatically promises the village elder that he won't allow the suffering he's witnessed to continue. Well, she nods in acknowledgement, and then the young man boards the speeder with his father, and they pull away. The elder then nods at the two Jedi and walks back into town. Both master and apprentice stand there and watch as the town seemingly comes back to life. People fill the streets, villagers and soldiers together. One man works at welding a broken down droid, while Tutan helps lift a repulsor sled. Taking it all in, Dooku posits aloud, I wonder if any meaningful change will come of this. Qui-Gon asks him, is that why you took actions into your own hands? But instead of answering the question, he tells Qui-Gon, your actions saved many lives today. Qui-Gon tells his master that it was, he was just thinking in the moment. Turning to face his apprentice, Dooku rests his hand uh, on his shoulder and says, well then, you're a much wiser man than I, Qui-Gon Jinn. Legacy Qui line. <laughs> Qui-Gon nods humbly and says, thanks to your teachings. Then both men turn and head back towards their ship, and the camera fades to black, and our episode concludes. I guess we're just going to sweep the force choking under the rug. <laughs> well, so there, there is that minor little thing there. Like, it's just a teensy-weensy little tidbit that you'd think would have made a, a, a ripple, a ping. Like, there would have been some kind of report on that, and yet nothing that we see later throughout the series throughout the other five episodes even hints that that happened <laughs> no i mean you know they they do manage to do some pretty good animation and there are looks that qui-gon gives him that you know he's not on board with it but uh, clearly i think he maybe has his trust enough that he wouldn't file a report in the derogatory you know perhaps and i think and it's that speaks to that, that role um, too right I was going to say it speaks to that whole master and apprentice relationship that it's more than just like, it's more than just teacher and student. It's, mm -hmm. it's father and son. It's, I mean, how else do you say it? It's master and apprentice. It, they, right. it's, it's your everything. And you, I think the student part of that deal is you, you heap so much on the, the master that you just accept at least for a while, you just accept that what they say and what they do, that is the right way because as a as a jedi presumably as an apprentice you you just believe because they chose me and that's just the way it is mm -hmm. i don't think we see qui-gon question any of that until i mean certainly he's we see the facial expression where he's as you say he's not on board with the force choke but not he's not so out of it to to no. want to 
you know, question, is this the right thing to do? It's a very different galaxy if Maul doesn't kill him, because if he's captured on Geonosis and, and, and Dooku's giving him that speech, he, he may, he may be, you know, we, we covered that when we did our, uh, when we did our, our, what ifs, our, uh, star Wars. Oh my gosh. What was it called? <laughs> infinity. When we did our version of infinities and, and I yeah. went right to what if, what if, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn had survived and right. I, I posited that, that Qui-Gon Jinn would never have joined. I agree with Obi-Wan Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you. Right. And I, and I, I still now having seen this where like you really do like go oh would he wouldn't he <laughs> no i don't think he would have no i truly don't think he would have and i think that that is partly why we get that you know uh be mindful of the living force we we get the first iteration of that here just thinking in the moment you know yeah don't mm-hmm. let your anger take over right not at the expense of yeah. right okay uh so that is uh justice what what did we think of that is that all right? I liked it. That was pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. All right. Listen, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode and I hope you'll stay with us uh, for the next, uh, what, five, four, five, uh, five, five more. five more episodes as we blast through Tales of the Jedi as only we can here at Fandom Power. So um, until next time, everybody, and there will be a next time. Yeah. My name is Wes. I'm Andy. I'm Hank. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production. this on here because it just it makes me laugh every time makes me laugh every time oh yeah all right